Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. So today, I want to talk with you about not being scattered in the wilderness. Does anybody feel like you're in the wilderness? Does anybody feel like we're walking through the desert or that the world is getting so dark or feel this sense of hopelessness maybe? Or maybe you're feeling discouraged in the journey. Or maybe you feel like there's promises from God that you've been standing on for a long time and you're not seeing the answer. Does anybody feel that way? The Bible says discouraged in our soul. And if people did not feel that way here at Rock City, then we wouldn't be doing the right thing. Because the Bible says a sick man needs a doctor, not a healthy man. Now, what should be happening here at Rock City is over the course of time, if you keep coming back and you choose to make this your home, you're getting stronger, more resilient, you're getting upright spiritually, a man man or woman of stature and wisdom, you're getting stronger, you're overcoming those fears and worries and nightmares and demonic attacks and lusts of the flesh and all those things that tripped you up in your past. And yes, it takes time because I see everybody like a tree. I see you as a little seed in the ground and then a little sapling plant pops up. But over time, with nourishment and growth, you become a mighty oak tree planted by the rivers of living water. Now, this church has rivers of living water and this church has a cloud. I'm telling you right now, there is a cloud of God's presence over this church. And wherever you choose to go to church, if you're visiting today, I don't care where you go or what you do, do not settle for nice church Always make sure that the cloud of God's presence is here, is there, all right? Because the presence will transform you, but it transforms you for a purpose. So let's say this together. The cloud, the cloud transforms me transforms for, a for a purpose, meaning it's taking you somewhere. So we can't live cloud to cloud or moment to moment if it's not transforming us and taking us somewhere. It, God's presence or the river always is designed to lead you somewhere and to lead you into becoming something, right? But what happens here is the cloud and the presence of God, the worship, the atmosphere, the preaching can be so strong that all kinds of people are drawn to it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Remember, I preached a message a long time ago that this church is like Bethlehem. This church, Bethlehem means the house of bread. And this is a place where people can come and eat and be fed and drink. It's the house of bread. And it's like a manger. There was a manger in Bethlehem. And so we got horse manure, cow manure, chicken poop, dirty diapers. It's in many ways, it can seem smelly, but in that smell and in the dirtiness is the birth of life. And I never want to lose that. But do you know that you could be under the cloud and still die. And I would be amiss to let you get picked off. If you're gonna be under my watch, I would be amiss to let you get picked off, or you, or you, or you, or you. The presence of God is here and the cloud is here, but you can die and be scattered in the wilderness under the cloud. Did you know that? It's amazing. You would think that all we need is the cloud, but that's not all we need. We need a house. We need a model. And the problem today is people see correction and measurement as religious abuse. And it's not. All of us need corrected. 
The challenge is, is we don't have mothers and fathers in positions with perfect love in their heart. The greatest title in the kingdom is mother and father. More than bishop, elder, deacon, pastor, apostle, prophet, teacher. All of us should, becoming should be becoming spiritual parents. The cloud has to have a model. Because without the model, you'll die. Think about this. In all of the wilderness, in all the 40 years of the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness, how much time and emphasis did God spend on building a model? Man, you read through all the laws and all the, way, the articles of the tabernacle and how to build the tabernacle and how to worship and everything was spelled out exactly the way it was supposed to be because God said, look, my cloud is here, but if you don't have a model, you're gonna die. So we want the cloud of God's presence. But and then what? Let's say that, and then what? And what I don't want, look, I love that so many broken, outcasts, addicted, fornicating, messed up, jacked up people are coming to this church. But if something doesn't transform in your heart, we're just going through the motions, having good meetings, and nobody's shifting. And in turn, those very people that keep staying become cancerous and toxic to everybody else. So the question is, is who's influencing who? Are you strong and mighty and spiritual so when a broken son or daughter comes in, you become a mom or a dad to them? Or do they come in here and they start hooking up with everybody else and influencing everybody else in this church? See, you have to understand, I'm building a house. And I don't care how popular it is. In case you didn't know, I don't care. I really mean it. Now, I love you, but the faster you get to I don't care, the faster you'll get free. And I don't care doesn't mean I don't care about how you're doing and I don't love you. It means that I'm gonna be true to who God's called me to be and love the way he's called me to love and say what he's called me to say, whether you like it or not. Because we could go all cloud in this church. This could be the, not the iCloud church, but the him cloud church. <laughs> and what would it demand? We'd blow up. Signs, wonders, miracles, Kevin Leal conferences all the time. Everybody's coming for their next fix, being slayed out in the spirit and encounters, 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 and no model. There's a reason why I bring in Prophet Kevin and, and uh, Pastor Chisholm and Seth Dahl and Michael Miller and Brad McLennan and Jose Diaz. There's a reason why I bring all those people here. Because they impart something, they bring some fresh bread, unique perspectives, but they're not building this model because they're going to get on a plane two or three days later or in a car and drive away. You understand? And so this is especially important for the leaders and redeemed and anybody reaching the outcasts and the broken and the hurting. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are frustrated with this nation, the problem is this nation has not become the model that God has designed it to become or our original founding fathers designed it to become. So we have to return back to the model. And anything that was corrupt in the model has to be rooted out. Because there were some corrupt things in those early days. But God's rooting that out, and he's raising up a new breed. Everybody say, I'm a new breed. I'm a new breed. And so God wants a model underneath the cloud. And what I want as a father and a spiritual leader is that you don't perish in the wilderness. Because you could have come here ate and drank from the rock and the cup of God's blessing in this church and die. Yep. 
I don't want you all to die, man. You got a call of God inside of you. God's gonna feed you. He's gonna bless you. You're gonna drink from the same cup of blessing. All of us are drinking from the same cup of blessing. But the Bible says you can't drink from the cup of blessing and the cup of demons too. And a lot of us are drinking from both cups. Not everybody. And if you're not, praise God, now let's help those that are. Because guess what? Coming in, in those doors in the season to come, if we build a right foundation and a right house and a right model, the most broken, disgusting, ugly, hurting, you name it, the worst of the worst will walk through those doors. And what are they going to find? Because God doesn't want another good old boy club. It's not a social club. This is a family in the kingdom of God. So that's the premise of this message today. Now I'm gonna give you, this is the circumcise my heart message. So if you said, if you were up here in that conference and said circumcise my heart, or you want me to circumcise your heart, then I got the message for you today. So I double dog dare you to say, pastor, circumcise my heart. Say it. Now, I hope you meant that when you said that, and I know some of you didn't say it, but I'm gonna still get out my knife and do my very best to cut your heart. Because if there's any flesh on the heart, that's the purpose of circumcision. The Old Testament, you were cutting something else for a reason. It was a type and shadow. But now God deals with the flesh of our heart. So if you have anything in your life that's not of God and it's of the flesh, his knife and his sword and his word is coming to cut it out. Why? Because there's always a cutting and a death before a resurrection. And when we get our hearts circumcised together, you're not the only one. Every day, mine has to be circumcised. Every day, I have to fight the fight. And I'm gonna show you in a minute that I'm not boxing the air haphazardly. I'm not just punching around wildly. I'm fighting against my flesh to bring it in a subjection. God came to save you from yourself. Do you understand that? The first enemy is your flesh, you, your old nature. The devil just comes in alongside like a little snake and scorpion and just whispers in your ear and gives you a bunch of question marks where God put a period. But at the end of the day, God came to crucify our flesh so that we would have lordship and be submitted to him. So we stop spinning out, doing drugs, sleeping around, looking at porn, lying, cheating, stealing, or even if you're not doing any of those things, working 75 hours a week so you can have your next new greatest thing. While your kids die because they don't have a mom or dad that's flamed on. Counseling a guy here, he's not here, he was here last service. He says, I, I'm a good dad. I was, I was like, what makes you a good dad? I spend more time with my kids, so I know dads that spend tons of time with their kids and they're not flamed on at all spiritually and every night it's two or three hours of TV. Here's your iPad, let's go do the new thing. Here's your new toy, here's your new stuff. No Bible, no God, no Jesus, no shakarabasatarabakar, no laying on of hands, no worship, none of that stuff. I know that's hard stuff, guys, but it is what it is. And it's the truth of God's word. And so my challenge to you is not to beat you up, but to propel you to become something that you're not. So, don't, so I'm gonna be firm with you because I love you. Just taking your kids to Six Flags doesn't make you a great mom or dad. Amen. 
And we got to be aggressive. Yeah, we do. I'm, do, you, do you understand? Yeah. I think everybody here should understand what it's a life or death situation at this point. Yes. This is not nice kumbaya American dream. And I'll forsake all and I'll consider it all a loss. Whatever, I, whatever. Because I know what's going on out there and I know what the enemy wants to do with your kids. And I'm looking for a few good men that will shikara baromba la rabasa. And instead, and the guy that comes and ticks you off, instead of beating him up or flipping him the bird, you say, you know what? That's the way I used to be. And I really want to punch you in the face right now, but I'm going to pray for you. I don't know why I'm looking at you, but I'm looking right at you. Yeah, yeah. Some of you know, I'm, reading, I'm talking to several of you in this place right now. Because every day, God's, or the enemy's going to give you an opportunity to punch somebody in the face. Then you may not do it physically, but you'll think it in your mind instead of praying for them. And I will tell you many times I think it, but then I pray for them. How's that? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set this message up, and I'm going to give it to you hard and fast. First off, I'm going to read to you three stories from the Old Testament where people died in the wilderness. Okay? Three stories in Exodus and Numbers where people died in the wilderness and why they died and how it relates to us. Then I'm gonna show you in the New Testament how we're all running a race, fighting a fight to win a prize and not be disqualified. And don't be like the Israelites and do what they did. Got that? There's the premise of today's message. I would encourage you to take notes or come back and listen to this because this is a right now word for this season and where we're at and where we're going. We're gonna start with Exodus chapter 32, verse one. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, I have no idea what has happened to him. So you all should know the story. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. President of God gets the law, gets the tablets. He's gone 40 days and 40 nights. Israelites had not been long out of Egypt. 400 years they'd been in Egypt. Set free, delivered. Three months later, they're at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, their leader, Moses, who led them out of Egypt, staff, Red Sea. You guys all know the story. Cloud of God's presence leads them to the mountain. Moses goes up the mountain, and they are frustrated. They're frustrated because, one, it's taken them too long. And number two, they don't have any idea what's happened or what's happening. So their natural response and reaction is to fashion for themselves a golden calf. Now to us, that seems a little bit silly. If I rolled in here with a cart and a golden calf and said, this is your God, this church would be over next week. So don't think for one second that the enemy is going to be so simple to put in front of you a golden calf that you would go, well, that's an idol, that's dumb, that's not God. But don't think for a second that the enemy doesn't have a golden calf in front of you. Correct. You just may not see it. That golden calf that is still in front of us today is called the spirit of this age. It's called the world system. And if you're not careful, you will subtly and sneakily be sucked in to worship the world system. And you say, well, how would I do that? Well, I remember watching MTV Music Awards not long ago. And you all know the artist came out on the stage. There was golden calves everywhere. There are so many secular artists promoting a demonic agenda, and it's blatantly, blatantly. And we say, well, that's just uh, art. 
That'd be like saying an idol's just an idol and it has no power, which it doesn't, but what's behind the idol? See, if you worship an idol, the idol is, the, literally the word idol means dumb, does not talk, pointless, right? So an idol doesn't affect me. It's what's behind the idol. That's why if you got feng shui going on in your house or little Buddhas, get that out of your house. Because you think, oh, it's harmless, it's no big deal. But the truth is behind it, there's something spiritual that you don't see. And so today, the golden calf is alive and well. Let's say that. The golden calf is alive and well. Now, back then, they wanted an image that they could see. Why? They had just been 400 years with golden calves. And so what happens? Take a look at verse 4. So Aaron received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool, and he made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. And then they rose early on the next day, offered a burnt offering, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go, get down, for the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Remember, everybody wants to see. And when you don't see, or there's a delay, when you have a delayed response, what's your response? That's my question. Everybody here has a delayed response to a certain degree. All of us are believing for something. Whatever your thing is, whether you're single and you're looking for your spouse, whether you're old and you're ready for Jesus to come back. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your prodigal son or daughter. Maybe it's your job. Whatever it is, all of us can have delayed responses. So the question is, what's your response? And the natural tendency is when we're frustrated or the time, it's taking a long time is to turn our gaze elsewhere. And see, it was easy then for, the, is for them to want the golden calf because it was a physical thing they could see. And then Aaron has the audacity to say, this is your God. So a golden calf split the Red Sea? It's so stupid. A golden calf created the cloud? Now we look back and say that's stupid, but I'm telling you today, we can subtly, in the very same way, Say, I'm not seeing God. He's not doing what I thought he should do. It's taking too long. There's a delayed response. It's not happening the way I thought it should happen. And in turn, our eyes look to the things that we can see. And that's the problem with the world system. In fact, the Lord says, separate yourself from among them. And if you're not careful and you don't begin to separate yourself more from the world, you'll love, you'll fall in love with the world and now you'll have friendship with the world. And it doesn't mean I don't care about the world. Jesus died for the world. I want to save everybody that's lost. But if I become like them, that's why it's always who's influencing who. And so for me, I had to cut off my friends that were getting high and getting drunk all the time, that didn't know Jesus. You got to get some people around you that love the Lord. And I got a lot of men. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. It's always coming to me. I'm like, you know what? This Thursday night, Colton, my men's ministry leader, is leading a testimony night. Every man should be there. And he's got stuff going on every month from wisdom nights and teachings and trainings and preparation. And he's been in this position for years. People say, well, I gotta have you, pastor. I gotta have, I can just so relate to you. I'm one guy. My capacity's only so wide. 
And if you can't love him and be connected to him, you're not gonna ever be able to be connected to me. You'll get disappointed and you will leave this church. Jesus decentralized himself and gave the power away to his disciples. Remember that. So the world is fasting a God that everyone can see and worship. The keys to separate yourself from the world. Listen to this. What a tangled web we weave when we first become deceived. So we say when we first seek to deceive. No, no. We first get deceived and then we deceive. And the tangled web suddenly is, man, God's not showing up, so I gotta put something else. I gotta get my back. Many of you have been raised to watch your own back. But do you know that the Bible, in the Bible, God gives you a whole armor, but there's no back piece. You know why? If you don't let God have your back, then you're protecting yourself and fighting for there's no cloud. You know what the cloud does? It protects you. It gives you heat when you're cold. It leads you. It guides you. It directs you. It's the Holy Spirit today. It's the presence of God today. But many of you have never even felt the Holy Spirit in your life. And many people are like, man, I don't see God. I don't feel God. And the problem is, is we don't want to pay a price for it. And here's the price that everybody has to pay. Just die now. Everybody has to go to the cross. Everybody has to forsake all. Now, God loves you. He cares for you. You could see God in all creation. But if you want to see God on a whole nother level, see, I see God everywhere around me. He's invisible. I don't actually see angels. Sometimes I can sense them, but I don't hear God's audible voice. But yet, I hear God speaking to me all the time, and I feel like he's around me all the time. How does that work? In fact, I never actually feel alone. Now, it took me time. It took a lot of failures and overcoming and staying the course. I didn't just get it immediately. That's why we're so patient with one another. But I want to assure you, you do not need the golden calf. You don't need the world. You don't need alcohol, sex, or drugs. And you don't need what the world has to offer to you to be satisfied, fulfilled, comforted, directed. I believe in you. I just don't want to see you get scattered in the wilderness. The golden calf always leads you to destruction. And in this case, it was a party. The golden calf led to a feast. So they sat down, they ate, they drank, and they rose up to play. I want to make sure you really see this part. That they sat down to eat, drink, and they rose up to play. Why is that so important? Because today, we want to party. Now, I like to have fun, and I like to party, but not the way I used to party. I don't want to party because I know what eat, drink, sat down, eat, drink, and this kind of play is not like badminton play. This isn't bocce ball. It's a different kind of bocce ball, a bad kind. And it's a kind that causes you to be corrupted. You corrupt yourself. And in turn, you'll get scattered in the wilderness. So that old person has to die. Now, you can't do it without his help. I preach that all the time. The cross, grace, patience, mercy, there's tons of that with me. Tons, I mean, an endless supply of coming into this house and beating on your chest and saying, God, have mercy. But at some point, if you've been coming to this church more than 90 days, you're gonna have to shut the flesh down. (laughs) Shut the flesh down. And I have to, too. And there's times I get in my flesh. But I hate it so much. I hate it. 
So I, I literally fight against it with hatred. And it happens. That day, 3,000 people would die in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 16, verse two and three. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and they said to them, you take too much upon yourself for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? Now this is extremely destructive, but very prevalent in the church today. In this story, you had the key leaders who attended the tabernacle, who served Moses, and these were the very core intimate group of 250 people that rose up in rebellion. It was a coup attempt against Moses and Aaron. Why? Why would they do that? Because of pride. And pride will kill you. Pride always leads to destruction. But listen to this kind of pride. Here's what they probably said in their hearts. This is what those leaders would have said inside their hearts. I need to exalt myself because the leaders aren't doing enough. Split off, I'm gonna split off and do my own thing. Those leaders have way too much on their plate. I could do it better or I could do it without them. Who picked those leaders anyway? They aren't really anointed by God for this position. They're exalting themselves. I know some of you would probably never say that, but this is everywhere. You have thousands and thousands of churches starting and closing across America today. Or you have people in pulpits that are hurt or jaded. Or you have churches splitting or people leaving and getting isolated. Why? Because it can be messy. Somebody didn't make it to the hospital when you were sick. I wish that wasn't the case, but it happens sometimes. People get offended, they get hurt. Or they say, man, Marlene's just got way too much on her plate. And you know what? She does have a lot on her plate. But instead of saying, you know what? I don't need Marlene. She's too busy for me. The, question, the, the response should be, how can I help you? Because she's given it the best that she can give it. And I'll, I'll support her all day long. But the deceptive lies, man, pastor's just so busy. Pastor's too busy for me. That's why I have Colton, Jordan, Jeremy. And more, much more coming. Lacey will be stepping up in great leadership here at the church. And more and more people. Some of you stepped up. When I saw Leroy get on the prayer partner team, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, come on. <laughs> when I saw Vanessa playing her violin today, I'm like, yeah, all right. See, everybody does something and everybody plays a part. But the deceptive lie is pride. And so what we do is we hop around and we church hop and we go over here, and we go over there, and I don't like them. That's a style and preference thing. You don't get to pick your church. You gotta go where the Holy Spirit goes. That's right. That's right. And that's why when I think about David, the words that he got over all the years and what he did with Shada, David Blackford and Shada, and their baby, and the promise of God on his life, and I know he and I are so similar, and I watched the prophetic words, and now I have an incredible expectation for what God's gonna do in his life in this next season because he stayed the course, and he didn't leave when many times he wanted to. And so we have to understand pride is so subtle. Why do they do it that way? Why don't they do it that way? They should do it different. They should do it better. 
You know what I say? If you got a dream, give me a ministry plan. And why don't you get connected and get into relationship and be somewhere and show up at the men's things or the women's things and start praying for people instead of being frustrated about what's not happening. Yeah. Woo, that'll get you fired up. I got a big sword out today. Am I right? Thank you. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I thought I heard Prophet Kevin there for a minute. But notice who these people were. These were the closest people to Moses, who in Numbers 11 had gotten spirit-filled and prayed, prophesied. Now what are they doing? Here's what they said. You take too much upon yourself. And here was one of the biggest lies happening today. I'm gonna crush a religious lie. And some of you aren't gonna like what I'm about to say. But I don't care. Doesn't it feel good? Let's just say that together. Ready? I don't care. This has been the most freeing message of my life. I'm gonna say I don't, it used to be just die now. I got a whole new motto. I don't care. Because when you die, you don't care. That's exactly right. Thank you. So I want you to notice this lie. Notice what they said in verse uh, three. All the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. That's a lie. Just because the cloud of God's presence was there and everybody was eating and drinking from the same cloud does not mean everybody was holy and that the Lord was among them. That is a deceptive lie. Everyone is not holy and God is not with everyone, nor is the Lord among everyone. Ooh, man. That's hard, that's a hard one. But this is not a universalist church. Let me explain this to you, okay? Does God love everyone, yes or no? Does God care about everyone, yes or no? Does God show himself to everyone, yes or no? Does God shower blessings upon everyone, yes or no? But not everybody's saved and they just don't know it, right? Come on, guys. You need, this is very important for you to see. This was the deceptive lie of pride. Who anointed you? And by the way, God's with everybody. They're all holy, so let's raise up other people because we don't need you. Here's the deal. The Bible says those without the Spirit are not his. It doesn't mean I love and care about them, and it doesn't mean that God didn't put his DNA in everybody. Do you know everybody has the DNA of God inside of them? Yes. Everybody has a hard wire thing in them yes. to desire and to know God. They just reject it, and they suppress the truth, right? Right? But this was a deceptive lie, and it was from pride. It was a place of pride. Don't fall place, prey to that lie. So I don't make any assumption that God is with everybody in this church. Just because we're eating and drinking from the same cloud and the presence of God's touching us, and then we go home tonight and shack up and crack up and do drugs and sleep around and smoke crack and do heroin, look at porn. I don't know what it is. Maybe you don't do those things, but whatever it is, God doesn't, isn't necessarily with all of us at all times. Now, you are in process, and if you have given your life to the Lord, you're in process. I want you to know that, and I'm patient with you, and I care about you. That day, 23,000 people plus the 250 died in the wilderness. 
That's a total of 28,000 people, or uh, let's see, yeah, 28,250 people that have died already in the wilderness. Numbers 21, verse four through eight, and then I'll get to the main point. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around to the land of Edom, go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Is anybody's soul very discouraged right now? If your soul is discouraged, then this is a message for you. Because sometimes the journey can be hard. And sometimes the promises we're standing on can be difficult. What I want to encourage you to do is not give up. And what I also want to encourage you to do is not fall into pride and start complaining. Because complaining can be one of the worst things. Now, if you're going to complain, you can complain to the Lord. He can handle it. 32 of the Psalms are open complaints to God. 32 of the Psalms are straight up complaints. And it doesn't mean that they're right. It just means that they're pouring out their complaint. So God can handle your complaint. The problem's when you start complaining to one another. Right? Now, I can handle your complaint. Just lay it on me. Because we hear, we're like the complaint department. Seriously. But the, always take it to the Lord first. And what happened here was the people were very discouraged in their soul on the way. Verse five. And the people, here's what that led to. The people spoke against Moses, spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food or water, but here's the worst thing. Man, this one hurts. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. Shut your mouth. You gotta see this. So not only are they discouraged, but now they literally spoke against Christ. They didn't know it was Christ, but we know today that the manna that came down from heaven was who? And what did they say about the manna? Now, I know some of you say, well, I would never say that Jesus or the bread is worthless, but we live like it. How? You never read your Bible, and you have all kinds of reasons and excuses why. We work too much, we're too busy, kids, or I don't understand anything that I read. I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't know where to begin. You know what? There's so many apps. Get an action Bible. Get the Just Read Scripture Bible. There are so many things. You can literally listen to the Bible on audio form. Get in a Bible study every Sunday at 10 o'clock. We have Cultivate right. next door with Warren. We'll teach you to read the Bible. I'm starting a class this fall, a 40-week a, a class that you guys can come and learn and grow, and I'm gonna teach you directly all kinds of things. We're gonna have an actual Bible class this fall that's solely based on the Bible. Yeah. It's taught by Tom Schmidt. is gonna teach that. And so the challenge here is that we can make the bread worthless by not valuing it. You may never say it, but we live it that way. Do you guys see that? And what that is, is that is actually an assault on Christ himself. So they said there's no food or water, and our soul loathes or hates or despises this worthless bread. So what did the Lord do? He sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when they look at it, they will live. 
So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, what happened? He lived. So their flesh was crying out. They were complaining. They had turned away from God. And now they were getting snake bit. There's people in this church getting snake bit. I don't care. I'm not out to just do a nice church here. I'm out to make sure you and your marriage and your family and that you grow up mighty and pure and holy with an awesome husband and children and don't get snake bit. That's what I'm out to make sure that happens. I'm out to make sure you stay the course, you stay the course, and you stay the course. And what happens if you do get snake bit? There's a cross. See, Jesus himself wasn't a fiery serpent. This was a type and shadow. So Jesus took all your snake bites, your hurts, your pains, your unforgiveness, and all the lies, all your failures, all your shortcomings on the cross. That's why I keep coming back. Keep coming back. Even if you fail, I tell you this all the time. Even if you're getting snake bit, keep coming back. But what I don't want you to do is to perish in the wilderness. I want you to stay the course, and I want you to get your eyes on the cross. Jesus was the ultimate representation of the serpent on the pole that he says, if you look to me, I took all your snake bites, all your failures, all your mistakes, all your past shortcomings, all those people you slept with, all those people that you hurt, all that stuff. I took all that on the cross, all that porn, all the dysfunctions, whatever it is, I took it all on the cross, all the lies, all the shame. All you gotta do is look to the cross. But at some point, you gotta stop complaining so you don't get, keep getting snake bit. And you got to not treat the word as worthless. Woo, this is good preaching right here. Man, I'm just preaching so good. I know this is heavy stuff for a Sunday morning, but you know what? I haven't been here in several weeks, and we are building a house. We are building a house. So a lot of people died in the wilderness that day. Now, let's get to the New Testament. You ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. Everybody say temperate. temperate. In how many things? All. In all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, this is the way that I run. Not, I have no idea what's happening I have no idea what's going on in the world around me and I'm spinning around in circles and I'm gonna try to hit something here and there, fire off a shotgun shot. No, that's not how I am. I'm diligent. I know exactly what I'm fighting. And you know what you're fighting? Yourself. So I'm fighting the world system. No, I'm fighting the devil. Well, you might be fighting the world system and the devil, but if you don't have yourself self-governed and temperate, you gotta see this. Look what it says. I'm not running with uncertainty. As one, or I'm fight, not fighting as one of be here. But here's your answer, verse 27. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Guys, this puts the fear of God inside of me. I don't want to get disqualified while I'm preaching to others. You can preach to others and still be disqualified. It's in the Bible. This puts the fear of God inside of me. And I got a lot of stories about this. I've seen people called a man of God that is so far from a man of God, but they're gifted, they're anointed by God, and they're preaching all the while they're being disqualified. 
This, I do not want to be disqualified. This is me and Jesus saying, look, I can preach a fiery storm. The cloud can come. The presence can come. But at the same time, what I'm doing behind closed doors could cause me to be disqualified. So what am I fighting? My heart. There's some other areas I could punch, but it'd take me out for the service. You understand? Come on, guys. So my heart's got to be circumcised, and I don't want to be disqualified. But we're not living with uncertainty. And what does temperate mean? Temperate means to be self-controlled and even self-governing in your contact, in your conduct, and your action. It's how an athlete abstains from bad food, bad drink, and sexual immorality. If an, if an Olympic athlete is living like the world and the devil, oh, and many of them are in different ways, but if they're eating bad, drinking bad, and living a revelry party life, most likely they're not going to make it to the Olympics. But they're doing it for a temporary gold medal, which we'll be watching this summer. But we do it for a medal that says eternal. We do it for an imperishable crown. So now what I'm fighting for lasts for eternity. They're doing it for a moment. <clears throat> right? So what am I doing? I eat right. I exercise. I got to spend a lot of time with Jesus. I got to work hard. I got to set my face as flint. And I know exactly because I'm not uncertain because I'm hearing and I'm seeing. I'm not looking at a golden calf. I'm looking at Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Disconnect from the world. And if Facebook is sucking you in, let me tell you, you spend an, a lot amount of time on Facebook, it will do something to your, I feel it. I can only spend so much. And I love some of your posts and I love knowing about what you're doing. And I'm not anti-social media. I'm anti a lot of it because it will ultimately put something inside of you that leads you away from him. Snake bite, that's right. So we don't want to become disqualified. The Bible says you reap what you sow and if you sow to the flesh, you're going to die. We need help, we need the cross, we need to stop getting snake bit. And I'll leave you with this. First Corinthians chapter 10. You're gonna read five alls right now. Five alls. Five. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, all ate from the same spiritual food, and all drank from the same spiritual drink. All means all. In Texas, it's all y'all. Right? So what does it mean? It means if we all keep coming together as a family and as a tribe, you're gonna eat from the same spiritual food, you're gonna drink from the same spiritual rock, we're gonna go through the Red Sea together, we'll be baptized into Christ and into one another as a family. It's all of us. And we all have the same opportunity, right? All of us do. And the rock that followed them was Christ. So I believed actually that Jesus' presence is leading us and following us. But I want you to see this in verse five. Just take a moment and look at the screen at verse five. With most of them, God was not well pleased and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. But didn't they drink from the same drink? Didn't they eat from the same food? Wasn't the same cloud over them? But they were scattered in the wilderness. 
And so I don't wanna see anybody scattered. If you love God's people, if you love the church, if you are called to be a leader, if you have Christ inside of you, you shouldn't wanna see anybody get scattered, which means you need to be a little bolder, a little firmer, and stand strong in the promises of God for somebody else and speak truth to them. Now, these things became our examples, verse six, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and don't become idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted Christ and were destroyed by serpents. The bread was worthless. Nor complain. That is a really big one. If you have a complaint, first take it to Jesus. He's the best complaint department. And then the next thing, and look, we are not perfect. I want to let you know. We want to love perfectly, but we're all in discovery and learning too. And that's why we need each other. All of us need each other. And so it says that in verse 10, nor complain as some of them complain and were destroyed by the destroyer. Complaining always leads to destruction by the enemy. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except as such as common to man. But God's faithful will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread, one body, and we all partake of that one bread. So I'm gonna share this with you and then we're gonna pray. The cup that we drink from now is the cup of Christ. The body that we eat now is the body of Christ. It's a spiritual cup of blessing. And I want all of us to be blessed. But you also have to understand that if we don't take heed to ourselves, we can be just like the Israelites in the desert. Remember, the scripture said all that happened to them was for our example. And so today, we're all passing through the wilderness. All of us are passing through this world system headed to the promised land. And this earth is not our home, right? It's the, it's the eternal crown that we're all moving towards. But you have to realize, take heed to yourself, because there's an enemy and a destroyer and every temptation or testing, temptation is not just I want to do something I shouldn't. It's also a testing to see how you'll respond. Every temptation and every testing has a purpose. God's tempt, I didn't say this last service, I'm going to say this this service. God's uh, testing always leads to greater faith and resilience and strength. God's suffering and hardship always produces more life. But the devil's testing and temptation always leads to death and destruction right? And it's often in our response. So God doesn't tempt us like the devil does, but God does test us. And in the midst of the temptation, what does God always do? He makes a way out. The problem is, is when I'm being tempted, I don't want the way out. I mean, I do now, but that's the way it always is like, man, I know God will forgive me. I know it'll be okay. And it's not okay. Does God forgive you? Yes. And I've stumbled a thousand times. But God in his mercy and kindness always saw me through. 
But what does happen over the course of time is that I get destroyed, I corrupt myself, and I get my body scattered in the wilderness. And I don't want that. You know, one way that you can be scattered is in your mind. Does everybody ever feel scatterbrain? And I don't want to be scatterbrain. Pull up that scripture in uh, verse, the last one I gave you in 20 or 21. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy and are we stronger than him? No. So today my plead as your pastor is that let's discontinue the sit down, eat, drink, and rise up to play. And you know what? If you're caught in that lifestyle, don't stop coming, don't stop seeking, let us pray for you and come into the light. But I don't want anybody to be under the cloud and die. No one. And all the mamas and papas in this house, we don't want that for you either. So let's make sure pride and complaining aren't in the way. How about discouragement of soul? Some of you are real discouraged. Some of you are really struggling, feeling a delay in God's promises for your life or feeling aimless or lost wandering around in the wilderness. And I wanna tell you, there's a cloud of God's presence that can lead us here corporately and lead you personally. You're never alone. And God's always gonna, always watches us when we're at home and the door is closed. And though I may have to fight the battle by myself in that moment with the Lord in temperance, I also realize that she's fighting She's fighting, she's fighting, he's fighting. And I'm ultimately connected by Christ. I'm actually never alone. But it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? It does. I know it does. So today what I want to do is not just hit you hard or beat you up with the word. That's not what I want to do. But I want to challenge you to live differently. And I want to challenge you to say yes to what God has in store for you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.